Welcome to Continuum, the International Business Council podcast, where each episode we sit down with an incredible member of the IBC community, dive in, and learn from their journey. This is John Fitzgerald, and welcome to Continuum, the IBC podcast. Today, our guest is Eddie Flavin. Eddie is in the Chicago area, a true, true communication professional, so I'm sure he's going to show me up a little bit today. Um, but Eddie, thanks for being with us. Thanks for taking time today, and welcome. Oh, it's it's an honor to be here. I, I really appreciate the time and, and all that you're doing here, and I look forward to today's conversation. So we're going to get to where you are today in a moment, and I'll you know let the let everybody know you um, handle communications for a company called National Express. But what I want to do is tend to go way back, you know, to like where you grew up. Sure. Um, we're going to talk about Notre Dame a little bit, but you know, talk about where you grew up a little bit, how your family influenced you, and then the whole college track, and then we're going to talk a little bit about career and leadership. Sure. So again, thank you very much for the opportunity. Um, it's an honor to be here. I would tell you that um, I grew up in Downers Grove, Illinois. Um, I'm one of nine children. I'm the uh, second to youngest. Um, I think the world of my family. Um, I have a plethora of nieces and nephews scattered throughout the Chicagoland area. Um, and would tell you that um, my family was a major influence on me growing up, um, you know, over the years. Um, I would also um, say that I have a sister who's special needs. Um, she and I are extremely close. Um, I've always, from, you know, a very young age, had a special bond with her in, in knowing that everybody's gift, gifted with different um, assets. And she and I continue um, a lifelong bond. And I, I think that's shaped me for who I am as a person today, um, you know, from a compassionate standpoint, empathy standpoint, and, and just, again, caring about each person that I'm working with on a daily basis. So you grew up in Downers Grove. Um, and I know you went to high school at Bennett Academy in Lyle. Yes. And then when you got out of Bennett, where did you, what, what path did you take? Where'd you go to school? So- to clarify that too with with bennett it, in in particular i spent a year at bennett and then i transferred over to downers grove south ended up graduating from downers grove south um my entire family went to bennett academy a wonderful place um but i really enjoyed my time the rest of my time at uh, downers grove south and i think what's important that maybe our listeners understand today was for my mom and dad, the two thing, the two key pillars for them were travel and education. So um, they had a love for travel and education. My mom and dad um, took our family all over the world um, every summer, um, whether it be um, to Wisconsin, the, the Wisconsin Dells, or Copenhagen, uh, Denmark. Um, you know, Ireland, um, you name it, mom and dad were bringing us all over the place. And the the pillar that I they bring, bring out here was mom and dad would always say that in your travels, you'll understand people better. Um, and then you can always have maybe kind of a um, icebreaker conversation piece and that let's say somebody is from 
Athens, Greece, you could say I was in Athens, Greece. You know, I I love that community. Um, this is what I saw uh, while I was there. And what I found, John, throughout my whole life, that's been my MO because uh, people like to understand, you know, more about the person they're talking to and then also where they come from. So that's always been a natural um, way for me to converse initially with people and, you know, getting to know that that person better. And I think in relationship building, um, you never can fast forward. You have to do little bits at a time to build that relationship, you know, over several years. And I think that that's really been a, a wonderful gift that I've been able to um, harness over the years. And that that's thanks to my mom and dad. So I, we're going to talk about family a little bit more in a second. So you get out of Downers Grove South and where did you end up going to school then? I ended up going to Northeastern University in Boston. Okay. And the reason for that choice was um, twofold, really. They had a wonderful co-op program where you could work um, while going to school. So um, I spent a great deal of time out in Boston. Um, I loved every minute of being out there. And I think um, the reason mom and dad liked that too was I was learning again about the Boston culture, that East Coast culture that is different than here in the Midwest. So, um, you know, with with that, I was able to recruit my brother um, who went to Providence College. So we got to both benefit from being out there. Um, and Patrick and I, my younger brother, were uh, a little bit different in that most of my uh, siblings had gone to school here in the Midwest. So that was a wonderful experience for me. And again, trying to understand how how things are done in Boston, um, maybe as opposed to in Chicago. And that really, again, helped me to understand that. So after Northeastern, what did you do? Did you go to school? Did you go back to school? Go to get a job? So after Northeastern, I graduated um, and then I went to work um, for my brother, Mike Flavin, um, who started a biotechnology company um, here in Illinois and by the name of Medicam Life Sciences. So I hit the ground running, um, helping him um, from sales all the way to you know public relations and, and trying to get that company from, let's say, a 10-person operation into more than over 400 at the time. Um, so that I was with them for a number of years and, and really enjoyed that. So in those years that, that when first out of Northeastern, when you worked with your brother's company, what do you think the biggest like one, two, three learnings for you that you picked up from there? Sure. Uh, well, I would say that um, understanding um, an entrepreneur is to never give up. So to keep moving and, and trying to come up with the right answers, if you don't have them the next day, you may. So you have to keep moving forward. You have to have grit. You have to have persistence. Um, and those things wired me for who I am as a person today in that um, it, it takes a lot of time and hard work to build relations and then ultimately to bring in business for that company. So 
We were extremely successful, um, issued an IPO back in uh, 2000. Um, we were the first biotech company in Illinois, if I'm not mistaken, to issue an IPO. Um, and we're very successful with that transaction. But you can see that there's some ebbs and flows in that gap on um, one person starting a company. It takes a lot of time and effort to make that happen. So you were with in the biotech market and then you made kind of a, a unique leap at that point. I did. And can you can you tell our listeners what you did? Sure. So, um, you know, after that, um, after we moved on from the biotech sector, um, I took, I, I guess you could say, um, kind of a a hard turn on that and ended up working for um, the Archdiocese of Chicago um, for Catholic Charities. Um, you know, those that are less fortunate is, a, is something that... Um, has always meant a, a lot to me and how how can I use my skills on a daily basis to help them get to where they want to go. So I had the fortune of working for the Archdiocese for, um, for about a year. And then with that, um, there was an opportunity that presented itself uh, through Bishop Conlon and the Archdiocese, excuse me, the Diocese of Joliet. And I became their first director of communications for the Diocese of Joliet. That was their first um, director they had ever hired in communications. And was re I was really able to help um, build a robust communications program for that diocese and spent about five and a half years uh, with Bishop Conlon and the diocese in particular. So, Eddie, can you talk about the, those five years where you you were with the Joliet Diocese? And the way I look at it, it you kind of went in and it was a startup opportunity for you because they didn't have anything existing in the past. They handled everything internally, and now you're the first true professional communicator they brought in. I mean, what were the challenges that, that you faced you know, walking into certainly an established legacy, yet you had it was all greenfield for you sure so again i went back to my contact base and that that's who i am as a person i'm a i'm, I'm a connector by nature um really by something that developed at a very young age because having a larger family you have to be connected you have to have good relations in order to get things done from a family standpoint so when i went to the diocese I first had to build relations um, with all my constituencies, um, constituencies within the diocese um, in order to get things done. So, um, you know, worked in the first six months to try to lay out a comprehensive communications plan that would help the bishop and the diocese um, to be um, in front of the curve and, and proactive in their messaging um, as a diocese. And I really was humbled and um, honored to have that role because, as you said, um, it was a building situation from the ground up. And after I left, after about five and a half years, felt as though that was very well built over time. And um, as you know, in any profession, things take time. And I think that we worked in communications to be very transparent 
and to be proactive in our communications for whatever you know media inquiries that came in church inquiries parishioner inquiries on on how um the church in joliet um would handle itself and then you left the joliet diocese and went kind of again kind of took a, a jump because anyone in the more what i call private sector working for a corporation right that's correct and you know and i'm not i don't want to focus more on, on who the company is now but kind of big picture how was that transition i mean you go biotech to um you know a not-for-profit which in essence is what the archdiocese and diocese are and now you go back to work for a, a profit company yes i think i think there's twofold is um I love challenges. I'm, I'm a builder by nature. I love to build things. So whether that be, you know, internally or, you know, uh, within a department and so on and so forth. And I think that when I, when I entered back into the for-profit space, I was able to, again, build um, the platform from a communication standpoint, you know, social media, marketing, communications, media relations, to have a robust platform on um, helping a company um, with its reputation, to maintain its reputation, and then also to help build relations with within the department on how to you know stay out in front of things and always be on offense, um, where we are controlling the message most of the time. Some of it. You're always going to get, um, I, I, I would say, with a media member or somebody that has a concern, you may be reactive at times um, and you have to be ready again to stay out in front of that and address that as those inquiries come in. I would tell you that um, I I felt as though that transition went fairly well and, and, you know, it was a testament to me as a person, I think, to go from, you know, Medicam Life Sciences was private, went public, went went from there to the Archdiocese, which was not for profit, and then going back into the for profit business. So again, I've seen all of those things, and I think for me in particular, it was important to understand how to um, navigate within all those systems, which are completely different, and yet at the same time, um, they're not so different because. It comes down to relationships and communications really within the company on what are you trying to get to and uh, how are you trying to solve problems within the company. And so during these your, your career so far, you also then carved out time to go back to school. Yes. And not just to get one degree, you, you decide to go back and you, you go get two different degrees. Um, one, can you share with our listeners what those are? Two, kind of what what was really the catalyst for you to do that? And then I'm going to hold off on the next question. So like what they are and what was the catalyst for you to do that? Sure. So again, going back to my point where, you know, education and, and uh, travel were the two pillars in, in growing up in my family. Um, I had siblings um, that provided a wonderful example in me and inspired me to go on to, um, you know, graduate school, so on and so forth. So I think the first move was 
Northwestern University for a Master of Science in Communication. That really helped structure me um, with gaining the, the skills and repertoire that I needed in order to communicate effectively crisis communications, um, you know, uh, promotions, um, you know, how, how to negotiate, those sorts of things were, were ingrained in me in that two-year span. And I felt like I had that formal education after coming out of there, and I used those tools on a daily basis. Um, but after I finished with, with that degree, um, I felt as though I still was lacking in the business sense from a formal standpoint. So I decided to take some time and to do a weekend um, executive MBA at the University of Notre Dame. That was a two-year program, and that, that was done on weekends. So, again, that really helped me to hone in on, you know, the accounting, the finance, um, things that maybe I wasn't exposed to from an educational standpoint before because my, my major in college was in journalism. So I really needed to shore up those areas in order to be effective as, as a senior leader. Uh, which was my number one goal as I moved forward. Um, and while I was at the University of Notre Dame, I also carved out an opportunity um, with the Notre Dame um, radio network where I started basically, John, um, as an intern, literally, um, you know, <laughs> trying to understand how the broadcast business worked. And um, I had that opportunity. I grabbed it and ran with it. Um, I worked for over 20 years every season, um, you know, for that network. So I was fortunate to have gone to, you know, many of the home games um, and, and a lot of the, the away games, bowl games, so on and so forth. And again, that was all part of going back to the connections and, and building relations and having a love for different things i i grew up loving radio when i when i was a young kid i i used to listen to notre dame uh you know play football because if you can remember back in those days we we didn't have um the benefit of watching football 24 7 that we have today with the espns and all the different other networks now where you're kind of captivated by that that radio so I was able to, um, again, move into that area and loved every minute of that as well. So when you were with, you know, the, the Notre Dame, the national, Notre Dame National Radio Network. Yes. Um, what, how did, what did you do? What were, I mean, be it from an intern, but what, I don't think you were an intern for 20 years. I was not in that. I was going to explain that to you is um, I looked at that as an opportunity for the first year to be an intern, you know, just to get on to understand. And then I, I did the value add. I pr provided um, additions that that maybe they didn't have before and was able to parlay that into, you know, a, a very good job um, that was done on weekends primarily. Um, and I think what the value add that I did was I was able to work with um, VIPs and to try to um, commission interviews on day of, day of game operations, was able to work with uh, people that came in for the weekend um, and, you know, 
gave them the opportunity to come on the air, so on and so forth. And then also, what was I doing from really, because that job really didn't exist, I morphed that into something that um, became critical for the broadcast team because I was kind of the customer service rep. So I would do whatever it took to make sure that um, people that came in for, for the game, be it a guest of the university or our broadcast, that I treated them, uh, you know, with VIP status. So, you know, brought them through the press box, any of the other things that would have been um, yeah, kind of um, a unique experience for them, um, you know, uh, down in the field sometimes. But again, try trying to um, let the stadium tell the story, but I was there as as somebody that was just kind of guiding them through the process. And when you look back, you received your MBA from Notre Dame almost probably 20 years ago now. How, how do you think that has impacted your life, the, the MBA portion, as well as Notre Dame, um, impacted your life both personally and career-wise professionally? I think it, it made a major impact on me. Um, I really think that um, I met a lot of wonderful individuals um, at Notre Dame that I still continue to communicate with on, you know, a weekly, monthly basis. The program that I went through really helped me to understand how to navigate some of these vicious waters that we get ourselves into, you know, from a corporation standpoint, industry-wide, right? And I think that one of the things that was very important to me was the ethics class um, in, in understanding how to... Um, do things ethically um, and, and to make sure that you're thinking about your decisions before going through those. Um, but again, you know, the, the contacts were second to none that I got out of that program. And just, again, the experience of being at the University of Notre Dame. So if you had the chance today to talk to an Ed Flavin, who's a, a sophomore out at Northeastern, what would you tell him? I would tell him that life is a marathon um, and that um, you need to be ready for things um, that you you should never say never because we morph into things um, you know over the years and we have to be open to opportunities. And I think that today in today's society we we want things now, but things take time to build things take time to earn and that's what i would tell ed i would say that you're going to have to be patient but don't get down you need to keep moving forward and and continue to raise the bar on how are you going to develop yourself um spiritually um from an educational standpoint what are you going to do to continue to be your best so, Eddie, what do you think it, it, it takes for a person to be successful today? And maybe the flip side is, are there any certain things that you think hold people back? Well, from a success standpoint, I think that, again, we must never give up. We, we have to be patient. And I think the key ingredient is grit. Um, you have to keep going on a daily basis, even if 
things are hard. Things are hard for everybody. Things, a lot of people are, are broken in some ways more than ever with, with COVID and what's transpired in the last three years. And we have to continue to keep moving forward and to push ourselves because otherwise um, we can get caught, you know, in a grind where, you know, you, you can start to get, get discouraged. And um, I think that it's important to, to keep all those things in mind. I want to talk about leadership for a few minutes. Um, can you name a person or people that have had a, a huge influence on you in your life, be it professionally or personally, um, as a leader? I would say that um, my dad, my mom and dad, certainly my dad from a business standpoint, um, had a major impact on me as a person, um, both spiritually and then professionally. Um, I would also say that, um, you know, my brothers that I worked with, uh, Mike, John, and Patrick had a major influence on me um, as a person and in, in, in trying to understand, you know, the business. So I had some wonderful um, mentors throughout the years, and I go through those on a daily basis in, in my memory on how were, how were we able to navigate out of this situation back in the day? Can I use any of those ingredients to be successful with the situation that I'm in today that I reference back to? Um, and I, I think that those are all um, areas that I, that I go back to. So, so what mistake or mistakes do you think leaders make most frequently? And, and again, this isn't to, to dwell on a negative at all, but more so for our listeners from your perspective, what can we do to better improve in leadership? I think that as leaders, we have to lead with compassion and empathy. Um, and again, build relations and understand what people are going through. Um, again, when when most people go back to their homes, they have challenges that they have to get through on a daily basis. And, you know, we have no idea those endeavors that they're they're undertaking at this point in time. So we as leaders in the workplace have to make sure that uh, we're listening, we're um, understanding, um, to, again, to build the relations on them wanting to work for you and the company that you represent at that point in time. Because otherwise, um, it becomes overbearing, I think, especially now with what has happened with COVID, we have to be understanding to, you know, uh, the different employees and, and what they're up against outside of work. So you mentioned family a few times. Certainly you mentioned your mom and dad, mentioned your brothers, sisters, etc. So what insights can you provide to us, me, our listeners, on having success with family and a career? Yes. So, and, and I would say that, um, I have uh, a wonderful wife, um, and she and I have, uh, five children, 17 down to seven and would tell you that, you know, <laughs> well, while I'm blessed and while we're blessed, it can be challenging. So you have to, again, go through all those motions on a daily basis to make sure that you, 
focus in on what what are the most important pillars in your family now. And I think that for me and for Katie in particular, that's faith. And we put faith in God and, and trying to help, you know, rear our children and, and making sure that we're making the right decisions um, and helping them to develop into uh, future leaders. And I think that in, in doing that, you have to show you can't be a hypocrite. You have to show them, um, you know, that life is hard. Um, but again, you kind of have to show them like when we were talking about getting up on a daily basis, going to work, you have to show them that life is hard at the same time. Um, you know, and, and, and we got to roll with the punches as, as we move along here. Yes. Fully agree. Um, I, I want to switch now and I want to talk just a little bit about the IBC, which is really the whole reason we're here. Sure. And uh, our mission, the IBC mission, is to, to create a world where the business community acts as a principled force for the common good globally. Um, might be kind of aspirational, but at the same point, I, I'd love to get your thought on that mission. And I'll, I'll read it to you once more. To create a world where the business community acts as a principled force for the common good globally. Well, I, I I think it's a it's a wonderful aspiration, and I think it's realistic because um, if we we start with one, you know, like to go back to the quotes, I love quotes. You know, the the journey of a thousand miles begins with a, a single step, right? So if we we get one at a time um, to have that uh, mission in front of them um, on the common good, we can make major changes and and we can make the world a better place so i'm i'm all for it and i think that over time that can be accomplished using that as a backdrop if if you had the chance you know this coming spring to go talk to a group of newly new college graduates who have this desire that they want to go make an impact in the world what would you tell them well, I would tell them I would go back to really that mission and that there has to be a common good and there has to be ethics in what you're dealing with on a daily basis because um, it's very important that we preserve what we have here on earth and then also um, that we create opportunities um, for everyone and that we have to be inclusive in, in our endeavors. And I believe that if we're striving for the common good of all, um, there will be a, an end product that, that all of us will be pleased with at the end of the day. And, and again, there's going to be obstacles in front of that. Um, but again, it's to understand how we as a society can get, um, get along together and to move towards the goals of, of the common good. You know, Ed, you brought up ethics and a couple different points during a conversation so far. And it, it, I'm going to ask a question which might be kind of difficult, but do you feel a responsibility to promote, um, I don't want to say ethical behavior, but ju just the, the common ethical balance, the common ethic direction, not amongst family, but rather in the workforce with, with people that you work with? And, and if, and how do you do that? If you agree with that? No, I do. I mean, I think, I think that we all owe it to each other to, um, 
to work um, in, in an ethical manner. And I think that you would do that um, in the workplace by example. Um, so what would that what would that look like? What would an example look like? That there could be a myriad of different things that, that would be in front of us. <laughs> One example would be to speak up when there's an injustice is to speak up and um, to address the situation as opposed to letting things move forward when you know in your heart that that's not the right thing that should, that's going on at that point in time. Perfect. So what do you think it takes to, to have a great and meaningful life? Well, I, you know, it's a journey, right? So I, I think that um, I, I constantly go back to, to my parents. I was blessed with my parents and, and really had an idyllic life, I would say, um, and, and a loving family. Um, and to have the perfect life um, is really up to that person. Um, but for me in particular, um, I'm basically here as a, a vessel and a man of faith. I'm here um, as a vessel of God um, to try to um, help him with what needs to be done on a daily basis. So I truly believe that um, there's reasons as to why we're all scattered where we're at um, on a daily basis. And when people come within our path, it's important that we reach out and actually care about what they're doing. Um, people are burnt out right now. So what can I do to make that person smile? Um, and that comes back to my family. You know, what am I doing from, from a father's standpoint um, to make sure that we're getting along and that um, my, my end point at the end of the day would be um, to make sure that I could look in the mirror and know that I'm a good person. Um, and I believe that the goodness in the world will spread and that um, it makes the world a better place at the end of the day. So what are you most proud of so far in your life? I'm most proud of my family, I would say. Um, you know, I, I, again, I really enjoy being around uh, my wife and children um, and trying to understand what they've been going through with the learning situation and COVID, um, you know, uh, with what you and I are talking about right now, I do get concerned about interpersonal communications. I think that um, there's there's a certain um, individuals will only use their their iPhones or their their phones on a daily basis, but I think it's very important. And, and you know, due to due to um, COVID, so on and so forth, on how they're communicating with one another, albeit legitimate. I worry about the interface on, you know, the the face-to-face -face meetings, um, on how, how will we use all the tools that we have in front of us, and yet at the same time um, try to keep those interpersonal skills in front of us as well. So here's a, we're going to pivot completely. Just talk about technology. Um, and maybe you don't have any time to read, but if you do, are there any good books you could recommend to our listeners? I would say um, a, a real good book. Um, I had the fortune of working with um, Ryan Harris, who is a um, play-by-play -play announcer for Notre Dame. 
um, radio network. And he's also working for Westwood One doing the um, NFL Sunday night games. Um, does a great job. And he um, authored a book. Um, and the name of the book is called Mindset for Mastery. Um, and the title was An NFL Champion's Guide to Reaching Your Greatness. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the book. Um, it, it really tries to help you to think about how you're handling things on a daily basis and then what you can do to overcome some of those obstacles. And, and again, um, it's a fairly quick read, I would say. You know, it's uh, 150 pages, but I really enjoyed that recently. Okay. And my last question, which might be the most difficult question. Yes. If you could change one thing in the world, what would it be? If I could change one thing in the world, it, it would be that um, those that, that, that um, like my sister Sue, who are special needs, had more tools in front of them um, and had better uh, facilities and um, ways of um, making things better for them. Um, I feel as though um, there's a great need there. And I think that um, if there was some way to help, you know, sue an individual such as her, to be amongst the community would be a much better, it would be a much better world in particular. Excellent. Eddie, thank you. I certainly appreciate your time today. I think our listeners are going to love this and I wish you uh, the greatest successes moving forward. Oh, you're the best. I really appreciate it. It was a wonderful opportunity and keep up the great work. Um, you're with some wonder, wonderful organizations, Benedictine College. Notre Dame, of course, and the University of San Diego, who my, my niece recently graduated from there. So just wonderful organizations. Any Anything I could do to help, please let me know. I hope you have an awesome weekend. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening today to Continuum, the IBC's podcast series. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. And for more information about the IBC, visit our website, at ouribc.com. That's just O-U-R-I-B-C.com. Thanks.